0: Welcome. Oh, it's always wonderful to share my ideas with you, Good to be with you on a Wednesday afternoon, and um, we're going to start out today um, discussing a sad day for the Jewish people in the world, which was Sunday, because the great and famous Rabbi Avram Twersky passed away this just this last Sunday, and it really is a great loss to the world. Um, Rabbi Twersky was 90 years old, born on the 6th of October 1930. Um, in Milwaukee, in the United States. Rabbi Twersky was a person who had a long career, both as a psychiatrist and as a rabbi, and his gentle, deep, clear, and powerful ideas and approach touched thousands of people, both Jews and non-Jews. Um, rabbi Twersky was uh, very famous in the area of addiction, and he opened Gateway Rehabilitation Centers. Um, firstly, it started in Pittsburgh and then around the world, and he reached great success in uh, turning many, many addicts around and changing the lives of so many. And me too, I, I, I'm sure many of our listeners identify with what I'm saying and remember Rabbi Tversky very fondly, whether it is one of his uh, 60 books or whether it is his many hundreds of lectures of Shurim, um, many, many thousands have been moved and touched and inspired by Rabbi Tversky. So I thought we'd talk a little bit about him to start out with, and then we will move on to some other things. So Rabbi Tversky, as I mentioned, was born in Milwaukee in 1930. Um, his parents came from rich Hasidic stock. His uh, mother, her name was uh Lehr, her maiden name was Helbushtam. She was the daughter of the second Bob of And his father was Menachem, um, Nachum who was, um, the founder, who was, sorry, he was the descendant of Menachem Nachum Turski. His father was, uh, uh, Yaakov Yisrael <clears throat> His father was born in 1898 and died in 1973. And his mom died in 1995. And, uh, his father was a, a direct descendant of Menachem Mendel, Nachum uh, Nahum Tversky, who was the Chernobyl, Chernobyl Arabian. Now Chernobyl is famous in the world, um, because that's where the meltdown took place of the nuclear power station in Russia. It was a huge scandal and many thousands of people had to be evacuated and many people, um, were adversely affected by the fallout by, um, the uh, radiation, as a result, it was a big cover-up by the communist government, etc., etc. But within the religious Jewish world, Chernobyl's not famous for that. Chernobyl's famous for the great Chernobyl Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem Nachum Tversky. And he was a student of the Baal Shem Tov. And Rabbi Tewski's father and Rabbi Tewski himself were direct descendants of the Chernobyl Rebbe. Um, and the family moved to the United States in 1920. 19- 27 Baruch Hashem, just before World War II, and that saved all of their lives because most of the Chernobyl Hasidim were wiped out um, in the Holocaust, and they came to Milwaukee. His father um, was a Rov; he was the rabbi of a shul called the Base Yehuda Kehila in Milwaukee. And Rabbi Tewski, um, he he graduated from from school at the young age of 16. And he then went to the Hebrew Theological College in Chicago. Barberal One also went there. Um, they very uh, were very close friends throughout their lives. Um, and he became, he got a smicha in 1951. And he then became an assistant to his father in the shul. And in 1953, he enrolled in Milwaukee's Marquette University. Um, and he graduated from the medical school in 1960. Um, and soon after graduation, um, and specializing in psychiatry, um, he was asked to become the head of the department of psychiatry in Pits- Pittsburgh's St. Francis Hospital. Um, he later set up, as I mentioned, the Gateway Rehabil- Rehabilitation Centers, um, which started in Pittsburgh and now spread. Um, there he, I think there, if I'm not mistaken, over 10 of them around the United States. And, uh, when he came to Israel, um, he moved to Israel, Rabbi Tversky, and when he came to Israel, he started the Shara HaTikva Rehabilitation Center for prisoners, for um, convicts that had been released from prison um, to great success. And Rabbi Tversky was a, uh, a, a, the very rare combination of a successful psychiatrist and a successful rabbi. And uh, as I mentioned, he wrote over 60 svarim, over 60 um, books, uh, which were very, very moving and very, very powerful, his books. Um, one of his books, Dear Rabbi, Dear Doctor, was actually a uh, compilation of his uh, weekly news uh, articles in Hamodia newspaper, which was called Seeking Solutions. And he writes about it, I'll, I'll quote directly from him. He said, in seeking a solution, the first and most important point is to clarify the problem. This often suffices... To arrive at a solution. However, as Albert Einstein said, we can't solve problems by using the same kind of thinking we use when we created them. Our responses to queries are generally geared towards helping a person look at the problem from a different perspective. And these, uh, th- these two books are very popular, very successful. Uh, there were two, or two volumes as my dear Rabbi, dear doctor, as well as these many, many other books, um, that he wrote. I was very fortunate to have a personal connection with Rabbi Tursky. Um Less than uh, just over two years ago When I was in Israel I went to see him um, My son, I was learning in Yeshiva with his grandson And I asked him to set up a meeting And we went to meet Rabbi Tursky. It was really a great privilege to spend some time with him And he said to me that he's written over 60 books And it's really he's written one book in 60 different ways Because the primary um, focus of his works of his books was about self-esteem and about the lack of self self-esteem he said to me that there's a plague going on in our modern world and that is a lack of self-esteem and so he his main focus was trying to to communicate the very powerful message of how precious and valuable and worthy each individual is we'll continue in a moment we're going to break for some ads hi rpm your station of choice since 2008 nothing brings you back down to earth quite like a wallet after the holidays quite like a wallet full of receipts and slips where all the cash used to be well our insurance has an offer that will turn your post holiday blues around they could save you money on your car insurance every month and if they can't you can ask them for 500 rand cash Claim free and with the same insurer for three years, ask for fifteen hundred grand. You could save, um, you could save or get cash in your wallet, SMS out to four zero two five one. Outsurance is a licensed insurer and FSB. Ts and C's apply free SMS. We're talking about Rabbi Twersky, the late Rabbi Twersky, who just passed away on Sunday at the age of ninety. And uh his wonderful approach and his vast impact on the world in his short 90 years. Um, And as I mentioned earlier, Rabbi Twersky focused very much on fighting against this scourge of lack of self-esteem that exists in the world today and in our society. And as I mentioned, he said that I wrote more than 60 books, but really I wrote one book 60 different ways, and that was about the importance of self-esteem. And there's a, a beautiful story um, that's well known about Rabbi Tewisky. Um So, as I mentioned, he began this. Uh, he, apart from his gateway rehabilitation centers around the world, he started Shar Hatikva, which was rehabilitation for con- for ex-convicts in Israel. And um, he, at a meeting, at one such meeting of of but most of them were the ones that came to his rehab were also involved with drugs they were uh involved in drug related crimes and at the first meeting of 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 this uh center so he explained that um the real lack the 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 pathway to destruction in so many people is a lack of self esteem and one of the individuals his name was avi he was an ex con and he said to Rabbi Tversky at that meeting, he said, "How could I possibly have a positive self-esteem? I'm 34 years old, and more than half of my life has been has been spent in prison. So what self-respect could I have?" And Rabbi Tversky answered him, and he said to him, "That have you ever seen a diamond that comes out of the ground?" He said, "When a diamond comes out of the ground, it's dirty, and it's covered in all sorts of." types of rocks, and it has to be uh, cleansed, and it has to be cut, and it has to be purified in order for the beauty of the diamond to show. So when we see a diamond, we see after a lot of work has gone into the beautification of that diamond, he said, you are a diamond, you have a neshama, you have a soul that is beautiful, and that is clear, and that shines bright. There's a, a lot of dirt around that neshama from from many choices that you've made in your life. But our job over here is to cleanse that Nishoma and to pre- peel away those negative layers and those dirty pieces and to enable for that soul, for that diamond to shine. And Avi was moved by what Rabbi Tursky said, and he, he committed to joining the program. And uh, a couple of years down the line, actually I think it was a couple of months down the line, so the the head of the program uh, got a call that somebody had passed away and had left furniture that were they were donating to to the center, and they she asked this uh, this young man Avi to go and collect the furniture, and he went to get the tables and the chairs, and there was a couch, and as he was picking up the couch and and up the stairs to where the center is, so a cushion fell out, and there was an envelope with five thousand shekels in it, fell out as well. And he brought the couch upstairs and he gave the um, the envelope with the 5,000 shekels to this lady who asked him to get the furniture. And uh, they told Rabbi Twersky what had happened. Rabbi Twersky contacted Avi and he said, what you did was truly exceptional. And it shows that there's a beautiful diamond that is shining inside of you. Um, obviously, Avi was very moved by that statement. And he went then to make a bronze plaque to be put up. Um, at the entrance to the rehab center and, uh, at red diamond process, processing center. So that was his genius and that was his approach. And, um, that's how he changed and impacted on so many thousands of people. And, um, Rabotowski was, uh, he actually in, uh, I think it was about just over, t- uh, 10 years ago in 2008. So somebody came up with a great idea of putting very short, um, videos on Facebook, on YouTube by Rabonim, and make them available to the world. And Rabbi Tversky, he, he made about 30 different segments, very short ideas. And he made a very famous one about uh, dealing with stress. And that has been seen over 80 million times on Facebook. There are 80 million clicks on that. It's a one and a half minute, minute video. You can look it up. Um, Google it. It's Rabbi Tversky dealing with stress. And he says, I'll share with you what he says, which is such a beautiful idea, which obviously resonated with so many millions of people around the world. He said that he was once sitting in a dentist's office, and he, there was a magazine, and it was a Nature Wildlife magazine, and there was an article about lobsters and how lobsters grow. And the article said that um, a lobster has a hard shell on the outside, and it's soft on the inside. And as the lobster grows, so its soft body um, feels the pressure of the hard shell. And when the lobster feels that pressure, it then goes to a place in the sea behind rocks, which is safe. So it's safe from any predators. And it sheds that shell. And then it's able now with its bigger body to be comfortable in that larger shell. A new shell grows back and it's comfortable in the larger shell. And the, as it grows more, so then it goes through the process again and, and it sheds the shell again and has a larger cell. And that's how a op- lobster grows. Now, Botworsky said that, um, if lobsters had a doctor, they would go to a doctor and as soon as they felt the, the pressure and the stress of that shell, so the doctor would give them, would prescribe them Valium and they would never grow. And he pointed out so profoundly, that very often stress in our lives is an opportunity for us to develop and to grow. And if we view it in that way, so then we will develop ourselves and we grow. And if we run away from the stress and we don't face it, so we miss a opportunity to grow. And that video got um, over 80 million. hits. the other videos with over 30 million. Um, quite amazing, the popularity, but such was his clarity and his... Um, and his eloquence, and his great genius, and ability to deep to share very important ideas with people. Um, I, I, as I mentioned, I, I always felt a very deep connection with Rabbi Tversky. and I did have uh, personal encounters with him. And uh, the first book of his that I read was a beautiful book called "Let Us Make a Man." And again, it's the emphasis of uh, self-esteem, and he, from a Torah point of view, shows how uh, every individual neshama is valuable and is precious and is uh, significant and has an important contribution to play in the world. And that actually is uh, quite interesting that his request um, from his children and grandchildren when he passed away was that there shouldn't be any hespading, there shouldn't be any eulogies at his funeral, um, but rather everybody should just sing the nigun that he um, that he wrote when he was younger. He wrote a beautiful nigun. A be- nigun is Hebrew for a, a tune that we sing. So he wrote a beautiful nigun for the song, um, for, for a, uh, a verse in Psalms in Tehillim, at Psalm twenty-eight, uh, Chav Ches, verse number ten, verse number nine. It's a very famous yeah, uh, words of Tehillim that we all know. So and he wrote to, and very often in weddings and and Simchas Torah we sing this this song. Excuse my voice, everybody, but uh, it's a beautiful nigun a beautiful tune that actually Rabbi twisty came up with, and he requested of his ancestors that he um, sorry of his descendants that at his funeral there should be no spading, but they should just sing that nigun. Um, and say those words as they accompany his body to the grave And it really says so much about who he was And what kind of a human being Rabbi Tversky was, was um, Because these words are, are beautiful and powerful What do they mean? Hoshea's <speaking in Hebrew> Amelcha, David Amelach's writing Hoshea's uh, <speaking in Hebrew> Amelcha means save your people And bless your inheritance um, And look after them And carry them forever so those are the words that he chose to be buried with. that, that uh, a prayer to Hashem to save his people and to bless his inheritance and to look after them and to carry them forever. And it really displays what kind of a person he was because it, it indicates of his humility. He didn't need people to say wonderful things about him. Um, he, that was not something that he wanted. But he wanted Klai Yisrael to join together. He wanted his everybody there to remember that we are Hashem's people and we should be united under the banner of Hashem and Hashem should look after his people and should carry them and bring them to their destination and the goal that they are all trying to achieve. So each individual is is a great contributor to Klai Yisrael and, and it's quite significant because these words, I actually saw in an article written by somebody who was very moved by Rabbi Tversky. Uh, you can see that article on it's, uh written by a woman, Chaya Parkoff. And she points out a beautiful thing. She says that these words that he requested, Rabbi Tversky, you, you, uh, there's a halacha within Klai Yisrael, within Judaism, is that we're not allowed to count people. So when you're counting, let's say you want to count, you know, your soccer team, if you've got enough players. Or, um, you know, we have minyanim, we need to have a minimum of ten in order to daven b'tzibur, in order to... Um, say many of the things that we say in shul And Baruch Hashem we back in shul Which is such a great joy for us Yesterday we had our first minyan After the second closure of our shuls um, And it's really wonderful to be Davening in a minyan again So when we want to see if we have ten In order to be able to start the minyan To start the shul service So we can't count individuals We can't go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten Because we're not allowed to count Jews Because a, a Jew's not limited to a number each individual is a whole world. each individual is a whole universe, and you can 't count him you number two you 're not a number you're a a, 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 a as Rabbi he said you 're a diamond each each jew is is so precious and so valuable and so vast and so rich that you can't limit them, limit them to a number so very often we use this pasuk to count Jews There's ten Words in this verse, so we go. And that's how we count. If with each word there's a person, so then you have ten. That's how we very often do the. Many people do the counting that way, and so it's uh, not a coincidence that that's the pasuk that Abba chose to be buried with, because he was. The, he his whole life emphasized this idea of the value of each individual, of how precious each individual is, of how much each person has to give, and how much of contribution each person should make. And he often would em- emphasises in his books that if a person realizes their value, and realizes their, um, their contribution, so that makes a person responsible. That makes a person responsible to live up to their potential. If they see their potential, so it drives them to fulfill that potential. And that's already the starting point um, of building a positive self-esteem. So, um, that's one of many, many beautiful lessons of Rabbi Tversky and, uh, one of the many things we should take from his life and from the tremendous contribution he made to the world and to Klaus Israel. And just closing off with speaking about Rabbi Tversky, I just want to mention one Divine Torah that he shared. So when I went to see him at uh, this last time, uh, just over two years ago, so he shared with me a Divine Torah, a very beautiful Divine Torah. Um, and he said, Uh, I haven't seen it in any of his books, but it may very well have been printed in one of his books. Um, And it's relevant to the times we're going through now. So um, we've just been through Parsha's Bo, Bashalach. We're actually in what's called the time of Shoi Vivim. Vivim are the six Parshas, starting with Parsha Shmois and ending with Parsha's Mishpatim. So Shoi is the acronym of the first six letters of those six Parshas: Shmois, Vaera, Bo, Bashalach. This week he's Yisro and Mishpatim. So we're right in the middle. We, we've we been through um, to, through uh, four of those Parshas, and now we've got two to go, and then we finish this period of Shodhivim. So Rabbi pointed out that we've seen Parshas born, and 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 he said to me that these Parshas are actually a preparation for Pesach. This time that we're going through prepares us for um, the holy and important festival of Pesach, which is not very far away. So he said we've seen Parshas born, that The Torah tells us that um, that uh, an interesting Pasuk. In, in other words, actually, he started out with a question. He said, what, what do we see in the Haggadah? We see in the Haggadah of Pesach, which we're we heading towards, and which these passages are preparation for, we see that Moshe's name is only mentioned once. Isn't that interesting? That Moshe Rabbeinu, the greatest human being that's ever walked the face of the earth, the person who had a... Vision and an, a revelation of Hashem. I'm um, like no other human in the history of the world. The person who led Egy Israel and established the Jewish people, received the Torah on our part, and brought them out of Egypt. You know, there's no, there's no greater CV than that, is there? And Moshe, the Haggadah, we recall and we not only recall but relive those events that brought us out of Egypt. Why do we do that? Why is it so important for us to do that every single year, single year? Because that is the birth of the Jewish people. That's the foundation of our imuna. That's the beginning of Qal Israel. So we need to share, remind ourselves, and share with our children who we are. Where did we come from? Why do we do all the things that we do in the Torah? And why do we observe the Torah? Because we as a nation were in the land of Egypt. And there are many different uh, historical verifications for that fact. And we came out of the land of Egypt, miraculously, with the 10 plagues and with the splitting of the sea, which the, even till this day, the majority of the world accepts and admits that that actually happened. That's a true historical fact. And so we tell our children and we remind ourselves that there were these amazing miracles that were at the beginning, at the establishment of the Jewish people. And we left Egypt the first day of Pesach, the first two days of Pesach and the Sidorim. We remember this is the night. The 15th of Nisan that we came out, there was no time for the, the matzas to rise because with Hashem's presence there, it means the, the, uh, there can't be a rising of the matzas, which is a whole beautiful, deep idea. And um, we then reached the sea on the seventh day. That's why we have Yom Tov again. We don't do Maloha. Um On the seventh day of Pesach, we have the eighth day of Pesach uh, in Chus and in, in the Galos because we remind ourselves what actually happened and we relive those events which are the foundation of our Muna. We're not making it up. We're not relying on the revelation of one person who may be going through some sort of, um, hallucination, right? It may be on LSD, whatever it is. We, a whole nation went through this and it's a historical fact. And that's the beginning of the Jewish people. That's when God revealed himself to us. And that's our starting point. That's why it's so important, so, so critical, so relevant. And so, um, we go through the Haggadah and in the Haggadah, Moshe Rabbeinu, the leader, the one who, uh, the, the protagonist in this whole dramatic story is mentioned once isn't that strange isn't that leaving out the main part of the story the main person in the story so Rabbi asked that question why is it so that Moshe is only mentioned once in the Haggadah so we're going to take a very short ad break please stay with us and when we return I will share with you Rabbi answer answer IFM 101.9 megahertz of life as I mentioned, Rabbi Torsi asked the question, why is it that Moshe Rabbeinu is only mentioned once in um, the Haggadah? And uh, uh, I don't know if any of our listeners want to, it will be our trick question for today. What is the passive? Where is Moshe mentioned once in the Haggadah? Um, if anybody, uh, I don't have access to the, to the um, WhatsApp or the Telegram system because I'm at home, we're doing this via Skype. Um, so I can't see your answers, so I'll give you the answer. Um, but uh, it's an interesting question. So the only place in the Haggadah that Moshe Rabbeinu is mentioned is in the Pasuk the Aminub of Moshe Abdo that Klai Israel when they stood at the sea said they believed in Hashim, in Moshe's servants. And then they crossed the So that Pasuk is mentioned in the Haggadah, but nowhere else do we see a mention of Moshe Rabbeinu. And he says the reason is I Tosi answered this question and said the reason is because we see in Pasha's boar, Pasuk says um, that you need to go and relate this To your children and your grandchildren So he said who is that referring to At the time when Klayusha came out of Egypt That commandment, that Sivoy Was only referring to Moshe Because everybody else was there Nobody else had to tell their children and grandchildren They were all there So the fact that Hashem says you must tell your children and grandchildren Was referring to Moshe to tell his children And what did Moshe do uh, Of course Moshe's sons were Gershon and Eliezer and Moshe fulfills this by writing Haggadah. He wrote his own Haggadah to relate these events to his children who weren't there. And when the Haggadah that we have, that we use, that has been passed down through the generations, through our through our tradition, so our Haggadah, which was written actually by Tanai, which was written 2,000 years ago, was based on the original Haggadah that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote. And since Moshe Rabbeinu was such an anav, was such a humble person, he didn't uh, include himself in the story. He didn't say, I did this and I said that and I went there. He, he pulled his involvement back. And the, the story of the Yetzirah Mishraim is about Hashem. It is about the Jewish people connecting to Hashem. As I mentioned, is the foundation of the Emuna of the faith of the Jewish people. It's this fact, this historical fact that actually happened to uh, almost three million people. Um is the basis of our relationship with Hashem and understanding that there is a God who controls the world. So Moshe Rabbeinu didn't want to put himself in that story, even though he was so involved and was really the protagonist in terms of everything that happened. He took himself out, and when he told his sons the story, it was all about Hashem, it wasn't about him. And the the Tanaim that wrote our Haggadah based our Haggadah on this Haggadah of Moshe Rabbeinu, and therefore they also, in line with that, only mentioned Moshe once, but didn't make an emphasis of Moshe Because they wanted to be true to the way he related the story And that's how he felt it should be raised to Yisrael. And so that's the Haggadah we have The original Haggadah that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote Based on the original Haggadah Which is such a beautiful answer So, so beautiful And when Rabbi Tversky told me this His eyes were, were shining you know? He was really loved this vort And it really, I suppose it is a reflection of the person that he was Because he too was such a humble person And as we said at his funeral on Sunday, so he requested that they only sing the nigun that he composed. And that's all, not say anything else, because he was truly humble. And he would often also emphasize um, the idea that what is humility? Humility is understanding the gifts that you have, but knowing where they come from, knowing the source of those gifts. So he was not a man who lacked self-confidence. Um, Although he was so humble, as we are saying, and as this idea that that we've just shared, he was somebody who definitely knew his strengths, he knew his abilities, he spoke to thousands of people, he sold thousands of books, he helped thousands of people in rehabilitation, Um, but he he was a very humble person because he realized that all of those gifts came from Hashem and all that he had was just um, taking the blessings that Hashem gave him and using them to the best of his ability. So it never went to his head, but he was a confident man who knew he had what to share with the world, but he did so with absolute humility, understanding the, from where the gifts came. So that's our short tribute to a very great mentor, Ravatowski, and may his teachings continue within Klein Israel, and may his example continue to be an inspiration to us all, and uh please, God, we should all take his most central message of his life that he wanted to share with the world. And that is the value of each individual, the importance of each individual, the fact that there's no surplus of Jews, there's no extras. Every single one of us is who we are meant to be, is given an opportunity to develop. We all have a beautiful diamond of a soul. And even though maybe the lives we've led and the choices we've made, there is... Some, you know, dirt around those bowments. So it's our job to cleanse ourselves and to let our souls shine and to fulfill our great potential in this world. And that is a, it also is no coincidence that he, the, uh, passing of Rabbi Tversky is the week of Parsh's Yisro. Uh, which is the, the, the reading that we read this Shabbos. And the the reading that we read this Shabbos Yisro is is about Matan Torah, Kabbalah Sartorah. Incredible event, that uh, cataclysmic event that changed the future of all humanity for all time. where God revealed himself openly and clearly to three million people. As I mentioned, you know, our, our faith is not based on the revelation of one person because why should I believe one person as opposed to anybody else, you know, with their... Uh, visions, but here it happened to three million people. So that you believe when it, everybody, sell, sell, all three million, say the same story, they say that that's what happened to them. Um, so when God revealed Himself and gave us the Torah, which is how He wants us to live, what He wants us to do in this world, which is obviously the most obvious thing, you know, if God created the world and He has certain expectations for this world, you know, we don't know what they are. Hashem told us what they are, and that's what the Torah is and the observance. ...of the Torah and the mitzvahs... ...but what, the, the whole basis of Matan Torah and Kabbalah Satora... So ...is A'va, is love. The whole environment in which is given... ...there are many Rias, many proofs from many different verses. Rav Yerucham has got a very beautiful piece about this... ...that he says that the entire essence of Kabbalah sotorah Matan Torah is A'va, is love. It's Hashem's love for us. Hashem's love for every individual... ...and the value and significance of every individual... And there's a, a famous idea that um, the Torah, there are over 600,000 letters in the Torah which um, are uh, correlate to the 600,000 root neshamas at Harasinah. And each one, without, if one letter is mit, missing from a Sefer Torah. So Baruch Hashem the shuls are open and we can lay in once more from the Torah which is something we haven't been able to do um, since this past lockdown which is very upsetting and devastating. But Every single, if one letter is missing in the Torah, in fact, if one letter is not written right, the whole Sefer Torah, the six, all 600,000 apostles, if one's not exactly right, so the whole Sefer Torah is possible until that one, you can't blame from that Sefer Torah, you can't say a bracha of the Sefer Torah, you can't use that Sefer Torah, because all, so all the, the, the 599,000 letters which are perfect, one's not perfect, so the whole Sefer Torah is possible. Because every single Yid, every single Neshamah is needed, is necessary, is vital and critical for the well-being and the functioning of Klai Yisrael. So if you're alive in this world, you are needed. You're valuable. Your Neshamah has a very important part to play in the team called Klai Yisrael. And that is the the, the primary teaching of Rabbi Tversky and the value of each individual and the destructive nature of having a low self esteem, which we should all fight against. He said it's one of the he told me it's one of the primary um weapons of the eight to destroy us by uh uh by perverting the reality and letting us think that we've got a, 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 a we don't have value, that we have a low self worth. So Mietzoshem we should all take that great lesson and develop our self esteem and boost ourselves um and fulfill our tremendous potential. Please stay with us, we'll be back in a moment. Hi FM, one hundred and one point nine megahertz of life. To end off with a very important idea, um, which is very relevant to this week, because as I mentioned, the Shabbos Pashas Yisro, we're reading about Kabbalah so Torah, but when the Jewish people received the Torah at Mount Sinai, and the Pasha begins. Firstly, why does it start with Yisro? Yisro was um, Jethro; he was Moshe Rabbeinu's father-in-law, and Moshe's wife Zipporah was his daughter. Um, so why is the Pasha Torah named after Yisrael number one? And secondly, the Torah says yisrael koen midian, Moshe," That he heard Yisrael, the Kohen, he was the priest of Midian, of the nation of Midian He was like the Pope of the nation of Midian moshe, He was uh, the father-in-law of Moshe Esko le-moshe. He heard everything that Hashem did to Moshe, well, Yisrael, to the Jewish people his nation, ki hoitzi Hashem es when Hashem took them out of Mitzrayim. So he heard everything that happened to them, and that's what, that's what he heard uh, Yisro. He heard all of that. So Rashi straight away says, but Yisro, he heard Yisro. Ma uba? What did Yisro hear that caused him to come? And Rashi says, Krias Yamsuf Suf Amalek. He heard about the splitting of the sea, and he heard about the war with Amalek. Amalek Protect the Jewish people. So the big question is, why does, the, the Pasuk itself tells us what he heard. He heard that Hashem took Klai out of Mitzrayim. Why does Rashi say he heard about Krias Yamsul from Milchemes Amalek, about the splitting of the sea and, and the war with Malik? So the answer is that Rashi is really not saying what did he hear, but what did he hear that made him come? What did he hear that moved him in order to join the Jewish people? He then comes to join Klai Israel. He converts and becomes part of the Jewish people. So what is it that he heard that made him come? That's the question of Rashi. And, um, the, and the reason why it's such a great question of Rashi is because the whole world knew about Kriyas Yamsuf, about the splitting of the sea. It says in Shira Sayyam, Shamu Amim Yirgazun, Chil Achaz Yoshe Plashes, Viyachsu Baraj, that the, um, the whole, the, the, the nations trembled and they, um, a, a tremendous fear came over them when they when the, all the waters of the world split. Not only crazy Yampsuf, like every small body of water, there was a a pathway. So the whole world knew about what happened at Yampsuf, and only one person came, and that was Yisro. Why? So what moved Yisro? He heard about the splitting of the sea, and he heard about Milchem Amalek, that even after the Jewish people were untouchable, even after the Jewish people. Had been through these incredible miracles and God had saved them in this unbelievable way. Even so, the, the nation of Amalek still attacked Kla Yisrael. So he realized Yisrael that even though we have inspiration in our lives, there's always those forces that bring it down, that cool it down, right? It says, which means that it's a, one of the Lashonis' core. It cooled. They cooled everything. The world was on fire with God's miracles. Amalek says, don't get too excited. It's not all so amazing. It's all just nature, and it's all coincident. Calm down, everybody. And they attacked Israel. They knew they would get built. They knew they would get destroyed. Um, but they did it anyway just to, to to bring things to a few notches down. So Yisrael, when he heard these two things, realized that even though we have inspiration in our lives to improve and to be great and to fulfill our potential, as Rabbi Tversky emphasized, but we there's a danger that we cool down, unless we do something about it, unless we make dramatic changes, unless we concretize that inspiration, we will lose it. It will cool down. It will dissipate, and that experience will go will, will not impact and change us at all. And that is the reason why Kabbalah Satoru, the receiving of the Torah, is Panchas Yisro starts with Yisro, because Hashem wants us to understand this idea, that. We need to take those inspirational moments in our lives and use them in a real way and translate them into something concrete and something that will move us and change us and change our behavior going forward. And that—that that is the Hakadamu to Torah. That's the introduction to receiving the Torah. If you want to grow spiritually, if you want to become a person who fulfills what God wants of them in this world, we need to implement the inspiration and not allow it to cool down and constantly regenerate that inspiration. And the way we do that really is by learning Torah. That keeps it alive, keeps it warm, keeps it inspiring. So, there's a beautiful, powerful message for Parshish Yisroh and certainly is in line with the incredible life of Rabbi Tversky and his wonderful lessons that he taught us throughout his life. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful day. Hi, your station of choice since 2008.